Hello, wonderful musicians, and welcome to the Aligned Musician Podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Hankins, and throughout this series, we'll be covering a wide variety of topics all related to musicians' wellness. I'm so excited for what we have planned, and thank you for joining us. Tiffany Van Boxtel helps singers and singer-songwriters give performances that they are proud of with as little as one hour per week of practice and without overpriced voice lessons. She graduated from a small liberal arts conservatory with a BM in vocal performance and a bachelor's of music in choral general music education. After 10 years working with singers in the private one-on-one environment, she created a membership for singers so they can learn DIY style but still get the guidance that they need in a way that's convenient, affordable, and tailored to each singer's unique dreams and goals. I was recently a guest on Tiffany's Star Singer podcast, and I had such an amazing conversation with her that I knew I wanted her to be a guest here. We agree so much on our perspectives of musicians' wellness and the undeniable connection between the mind and body. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because even though I sang in choir for a few years, I feel like I still have so much to learn about singing and the specific issues that singers deal with. And I think that as instrumentalists, and if there's any instrumentalists listening to this, I think it's important to know what's going on with our peers. Um, whether we're collaborating with them or if they're just our colleagues, it's so important to have this broader understanding of musicians' wellness. So, Tiffany, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. It's so great to be here. I'm excited. Me too. We always have these amazing conversations. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I have to ask you, one hour a week per practice to see improvement? I'm sure... This is one of your secrets that I would need to have a lesson with you to actually know, but um, is there any little tips that you can give our listeners for how to make that a little more possible? (laughs) Yeah, so singers, singers in general seem to, I don't know if it's a stereotype based on just the fact that we're using our voice in our bodies, um, but instrumentalists are using their bodies as well, and it can be tiring, Um, but I said, since the voice is the instrument, you know, it really is only like even at a college level, when you're just starting out, the recommended practice time is like an hour a day because you might be doing ensemble stuff. And I know that that's just a lot lower than, you know, what a what a violinist or a violist or a flautist might be expected to practice, um, which is which is interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting. And we never talk about that when we're in school. At least I never talked about it. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I just kind of, um, I mean, everyone was very respectful about it. And, you know, nobody was like, well, we, we, you know, we have to practice eight hours a day, you know, it was kind of like a badge of honor, you know, where the pianist would like, go in and after dinner and like stay until midnight and practice. And, they knew that the singers only practiced like an hour and 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 so you know i when i went to college it was it was an hour you know and part of that time was spent with repertoire and part of that time was spent with vocal exercises and warm ups and that kind of thing so when i'm talking about less than an hour of practice i'm talking about the vocal exercises the things that are going to move your improvement forward so that you can work on the repertoire you want or you can write your own songs or you know what your style is um, and that kind of thing and this is based on being able to identify your 
unique dreams and goals. Like if you decide that you want to be a touring singer and you're belting a lot and you really love this like raspy sound, well, you better be solid in your technique because if you're singing two to three hours every single night and you're touring, you're going to really need to take care of your voice. Whereas if you want to, um, you know, heal people with your music, maybe you want to do some kind of music therapy or create your own, your own CD, that's going to look a lot, that's going to look a lot different, you know, and maybe you want to be able to work more in your head voice so you can get this more vulnerable, calming sound, you know, like whatever that is, I think a lot of times people folk, they don't align their dreams with their goals. And so their practice is focused on things where they're not going to see that improvement. And when they start to see the improvement in what they really want to do, so like someone wants to sing higher, we'll practice singing higher. It sounds really easy. Follow these proven exercises, but especially if you don't have any guidance or you have a lot of things to do, which we all do, you can go down a rabbit hole and start thinking like, oh my gosh, well, I need to work on my breathing too. And I need to work on this too. And I need to work on that and nothing oh, ever totally. gets done. So this, this is really about focused practice and focusing on what you want to hear improve, being able to hear that improvement because you've committed to such small practice times, you know, maybe three or four sessions, 10 to 15 minutes a week. And because you've committed to that and you're hearing the improvement, you get more excited about it and you're more, you know, stepping into the practice room becomes more fun and it isn't such a chore. That's such an important thing too, I think, uh, as instrumentalists as well, or just as people, like if we're not setting these long-term goals for ourselves and keeping those in mind of where do we want to actually end up, it can be so easy um, and enticing to, you know, take jobs or opportunities that may not be the best fit for our long-term goals. And, you know, um, I know for myself, like there have definitely been some defining moments where it's like, okay, do I want to do more pit stuff where I'm in the opera pit or in, you know, playing for musicals or do I want to be more on stage? Do I want to, and you know, like all of these things are slightly different in terms of how they're going to take up the majority of your energy. And yes, like deciding, you know, how much do I really want to focus on each thing can be so hard. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. That's another thing, too. I mean, if you're performing in operas and musicals, the other thing to consider is, like, sleep and your chronotype. Because I don't know about you, but I get to come with the performance. It's 7 o'clock. You know, even if you're doing, like, light opera, like a Gilbert and Sullivan or something, you're, I mean, you're, you're not done till probably 11. And then you're jacked. You know, you're, like, oh, so yeah. excited from this performance. And you get home and you like maybe like eat something you're like oh, I just gotta unwind and and then it by the time you go to bed it's like 2 a.m you know it, it takes a while to unwind so you're right I mean there's so many things to consider and adapt to based on what you want to do oh my gosh I also love that you said chromatype we could like go on an entire <laughs> podcast episode just nerding out about that <laughs> Yeah, but it's so I, I, helpful for time management too. I'm a I'm a dolphin, and so 
I spent a lot of time like trying to fit myself into a certain time management schedule. Um, and it was like learning about when your optimal times are to do certain things. For those listeners that don't know about this, you can just Google search chromotype um, and look into it a little bit and it might be so helpful for you. Um, but yeah, yeah. it's- That's it's really interesting. Cause I think, I think I actually might've been a, like a lark, like an early riser. Mm-hmm. And I may have adapted to this like bear kind of style because my lessons, I'm, I still do lessons a couple of days a week to stay sharp and get ideas for the singers inside the green room. And they don't start until two o'clock. They go until about eight, you know, so I've had to kind of, but I, I still get a lot of really good ideas and I'm still really excited to go in the morning. So I kind of had to like adapt to this, like, this thing that suited me the best based on, you know, what I wanted to do. So that's, that's always super interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. Like, I don't know. I I think that there's, (laughs) it's just so easy to get drawn in different directions or like even be willing to sacrifice not just your time, but your energy and sleep and all of these other things because we want to get everything done. And I think we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast even started, but it's like, it's so easy, especially for people that um, like staying busy right now. Um, It's a little hard to not spread yourselves too thin, but say yes to everything. And (laughs) yeah. Okay. So uh, getting a little bit back on track here, what are some of the musicians wellness issues that come up a lot for singers? Ooh, a lot. Um, I would say the voice a lot. Um, the voice tends to show everything, everything that's going on in your life. Like <laughs> <laughs> if you have a cold, you can usually hear it or feel it. Um, if it's not immediately apparent to the listener, it still feels really fairly intense. Even if you're having like a bad day, um, if you have hormonal changes, if you're even if you're taking like um, even if you're taking like birth control or something that works with the hormones, that can come out in the voice. Um, so it's really important to take care of the the voice, but the voice is with the body for sure. Um, because I noticed that my biggest thing is if I don't get, I can, you know, I can live on six and a half, but <laughs> if I don't get seven and a half or eight hours of sleep, maybe even nine, honestly, nine, I never knew that either. But when I have had the power to, you know, stop what I'm doing, you know, I'm not, I'm not in college anymore. I'm, I'm an adult and my lessons, you know, theoretically don't start until two. I basically don't wake up with an alarm clock. And what I found was I needed a lot more sleep than I thought I did. I needed a lot more sleep than was recommended. I think my body type needs about eight and a half or nine hours of sleep. That's just how it is. But if I didn't get at least seven and a half hours, I mean, you could hear it. You could hear it. It would be raspy. It would be crackly. Even now I have a little bit of that going on. It was a very long day yesterday. Um, And it's, this is the first thing I'm doing this morning 
but I mean, just being aware of that and getting enough sleep for me is huge. There's a lot of rumors about, you know, like what you eat, you know, what you drink, what you should. Water, of course, is important, staying hydrated, but really it's about taking care of your body. If your body is good and your mind is good, then your voice is going to feel good too. So I love, I love how you talked about this connection that exists between the mind and the body. Um, and is there any way as, uh, as singers, how can we use this connection to perfect our performances? Oh, there's a lot that goes on. Um, even something like, um, meditation on my podcast, I had Shauna Fallahi come in and talk about meditation and how, well, yes, we think about the breath and we think about singers as the breath. It's really about this mental awareness about what's going on and being able to hear our thoughts. And <laughs> as performing musicians, I'm sure we have a lot of thoughts. And during a performance, they are on overdrive. You know, there's everything that's going on. And you want to get it to a point where it's kind of automatic, but you can also enjoy the performance as well. And so for the singers that I work with, we use a tool called, that I like to call emotion mapping. Um, and it's about really focusing on a specific emotion for each section of the song. And maybe even considering the transition, considering how the emotion feels in the voice. So if you have like the first verse of something and you feel like it's sad, when you sing it, sing it and the only thing that you think about is sad you don't think about any technique you don't think about nothing you just think about being sad and then you can take that experience into account and even try something contrasting like you could try happy even if it's not a happy song and see how that feels in your voice or you could try like a synonym of sad like depressed and you'd be amazed at how the voice takes these emotions and turns them into totally different colors. And I think we want that freedom as artists to be able to feel confident enough to do that. But if we don't feel confident enough to do that in our mind, because we know that we're doing the things that we need to do to keep it moving forward, like practicing those vocal exercises and committing to our dreams, then we're not gonna have that brain space to be able to let go and really focus on the things that make performances actually cool. Because <laughs> we're going to be like, oh my gosh, that high note is coming up. Oh my gosh, I got to remember to breathe here. Like during a performance, that should become automatic so we can have the freedom to play with the fun things. Oh, totally. And I love how you brought up just the idea of focusing on an emotional context for what you're, for what, what you're trying to convey. Because I think that that provides such an amazing focus throughout, you know, each phrase or each section, you know, if your mind is starting to wander and you start worrying about other things, to be able to bring your mind back to focus on just this one point of like, I'm just focused on being sad right now in my singing or in my playing, that is such a powerful tool. And I think uh, for a lot of us as instrumentalists, we spend so much time perfecting our technique. We spend so much time just trying to make the right hand and the left hand cooperate with each other and do oftentimes very different tasks at the same time. 
And then, you know, we finally get the rhythm right and we get the right notes and it's good intonation and all these things. And we go into our lessons like, did I check off all the boxes yet? You know, and instead of asking yourself, what emotion do I actually want to convey here? Yeah. And it's, it's just very, very freeing. And the first time you might try this, you know, if you set aside a certain phrase for something like sad and it's, I don't know, six, 16 bars, you might be like, you'll be amazed at how fast your brain starts to move when you practice it. You almost, you're almost going to have to go sad, 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 <laughs> sad. And just like think, 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 because your brain, ooh, your brain is going to want to want to drift so quickly and fall back into that, you know, oh, technique, I got to remember my fingering here, that kind of thing. So I just thought of this like random question. (laughs) So if you're, if you're a singer and you're telling yourself sad, or maybe you have these thoughts that are running through your head, do you ever accidentally like sing the thoughts that you're thinking? I never have. That's really interesting. (laughs) Okay, because sorry, I've put done that in your minds, but I've done that for speaking for sure and writing. Oh totally. yeah, same but here. I've never ever had that happen for singing. It's so weird. <laughs> it's such an interesting question, but now that I think about it, it's weird because you'd assume that that would be a phenomenon that happens. I'm if if you've ever had that happen, please DM me at Tiffany Van Boxtel because I'm so interested to hear about it. That's so cool. <laughs> Same. I'm like, I can talk to myself when I'm playing all the time and not worry about that coming through, but I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's because we're already singing words. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there are already a lot of, I mean, yeah, if you're practicing a lot of technique and you already are, you're singing and you're reading notes or thinking about the musical notes and you know, there's already all these layers to it. Maybe that's why something just like as text that you're telling yourself. Yeah. Maybe the instrumentalists will appreciate this like blocking out, but I've noticed that, you know, if you're used to like a noisy practice room or like a noisy lesson studio, you start to like block out all of the music, you know, and you can just focus on like you and what you're doing. Well, when COVID happened, it was, I was home for, well, it's, we are, I'm a lot, I'm allowed back in my studio right now. Um, and I probably could be and still do online voice lessons. It's like half and half right now. So we're being safe and everything. So don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> but I noticed that I was so used to being at home and the lessons were so quiet for about 70 days. And when I got back in the practice room and back in the studio, hearing all kinds of stuff, it was so loud. And I had to relearn after like 15 years, I had to relearn how to block everything out. It was so messed up. I don't know if anybody, anybody is like going through that right now, you know, cause you're at home, you might be at home alone and it's so quiet. And then you need to block it out in order to get into this, this space where you can practice again. <laughs> That's so interesting too, because I, I mean, it's like a, such a love hate relationship at the practice rooms. Cause as you're walking down the hallways, hearing everyone practice, you're like, 
you know, pumping yourself up. You're like, oh yeah, I'm going to go practice. Like I'm, this is all setting my mindset to go get work done. But then like, when please don't put practice, guy a saxophone. Yeah, please right? Or like, guy saxophone. <laughs> you find the per- perfect practice room and then the person next to you leaves and then like a tuba player comes in. You're just like, why? <laughs> why me? Yeah. But, <laughs> oh, man, I, I kind of miss it here. We um, still don't have access to the practice room. So I'm, I'm a little sad, but. Something I've always wondered if you... For singers, when you go by practice rooms or, like, you hear other people singing but you can't see their faces, you know who it is. You're like, oh, that's Alex. Oh, that's Dave. Like, do you – can you tell who's playing by their tone on an instrument? (laughs) I would say – I would say yes and no. I think that for instrumentalists – I don't know, at least for me, and this is my own – this is my own problem, I guess, but – um, whenever I hear somebody playing behind a door, they sound a million times better than they might sound in real life. And I start imagining like, oh my gosh, this person is amazing. They're so much better than me, especially around audition time. I think it can be really easy to psych yourself out and think that, you know, what you have to offer as a musician is nowhere near the same level as all these people. And then you know, the door opens and they're like a freshman and you're like, how did you play that well? What happened? (laughs) (laughs) And as someone that's done orchestral auditions and things like that, it's a, it's a whole mind game because then you're already in a situation where you're, whether you want to or not, there's comparison being drawn between you and these other people. And it can be so easy to kind of dive down that whole of why am I here (laughs) and you know what do I have to offer when everyone around me is so amazing and I do think is it is that uh it is that just having the door there (laughs) not being able to see the person we can in our minds really imagine any number of possibilities totally that's really interesting (laughs) (laughs) but at the same time, if somebody's playing a certain piece and I know, like, I've heard them play that piece and I know how they tend to approach things, totally, totally. That's so weird. I was so lucky to be in an environment um, when I was in college that was so, like, even when we would audition for choir solos, like, not a big deal not even like the opera or anything like it's like a solo for a choral thing everyone is so good you hear everyone and even our choral director was like you guys are all so good I'm looking for a specific color I'm looking for a specific tone you know and and when you get to that point you're just like do I have the color do I have the tone I don't know I'm just gonna be me and accept that everyone else is really good. And it was really about like being a piece of art versus like a competitive, like a competitive thing. So I'm grateful that I got to be in that environment because even though everyone was very good, it didn't feel competitive or scary. It was just like, who has this tone quality that they're looking for right now? <laughs> oh, I love that so much. I think. I don't know. I think it can be easy to to 
to get into this habit of like, oh, I'm auditioning for this orchestra and I've listened to their CDs and I know what they sound like. So I'm going to change everything about the way I play to be what I think they're looking for. And in doing that, if you do that for every single audition that you take, you can really start to lose yourself in that and lose your sense of identity because you're constantly trying to be this chameleon that's like, oh, I can be what you need, I can be what you need, and never actually find yourself in your own sound. Wow. For singers, and that's, it would be, it would be impossible to tell because like if you listened to our choir at one point and you, we were, we were always voiced. So, I mean, it was a process that took, it was like six hours of singing Amazing Grace next to different people. Um, <laughs> so that you would stand, you know, inquire in a place where, you know, your voice, your own uniqueness would be like kind of, kind of blended because it was basically like a choir of opera singers, right? I mean, everyone has a very unique voice that can really stick out. I mean, you think about watching like a high school choir and hearing that one person that's just like, <laughs> sticking out and then everyone else is just kind of in there so I mean if you listen to us basically and especially if we were doing like something cultural um or very like with a different sound like a brightness you would never know or maybe if you listened to something where we were doing like a very straight tone you would never know that we were just being like uniquely ourselves. So if, you know, you try to change to do that in order to audition for a different, you know, that, that assumption would like really hold you back. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I think, I do think some people tend, I think some people do thrive in that environment because maybe they love the competition. They love like rising to that challenge from a technical perspective. And it kind of takes the, the pressure off in some ways because then it's like, oh, I don't have to come up with my own ideas. I just am going to take the ideas that are already out there. Um, but, you know, I think it's so important to build that musicality. And I think, um, I don't know, I was just talking with a friend about this the other day that like during COVID, it's like it can seem like there's no musical opportunities that are going to happen. And it's hard to know when that's going to come to an end. But the people that are really going to thrive when concerts return on a regular basis aren't the people that are like, I'm going to just, you know, drill my excerpts and only work on technique. The people that are going to thrive, I think, are those that have really given themselves space to be creative and to decide how to find their own voice and how to completely embody that in their playing. Wow, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, totally. Because there's a lot of different ways that we can do it. I mean, as singers, there's so many, there's so many different things that you can do with your voice. Like you don't have to be, you know, professional, like, household name Taylor Swift like I think that's what everybody thinks of you know they when they first think of like being a singer or being on America's Got Talent or you know there's so many weirdo opportunities you know like I don't it's know being true. a church choir or which might not come back for a while but um even <laughs> like there's just so many creative things going on right now like 
there's this one person who's it's not really singing but it's kind of like rapping he's rapping dr seuss books to dr dre beats yes <laughs> i love that like, it's so creative and it's just so entertaining for people and it's like how can how can we use our talents and what we love to put that together and I don't know, bring joy to other people or joy to ourselves or both. Yeah, totally. And I, I don't know, I love the way that you, that you phrase that and put that together. <laughs> That's great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know, it's a tricky thing because it's like, we want to be, we want to honor ourselves and our time and if, you know, you do want to take time away from playing, like, I think that that's absolutely okay, or time away from singing. Um, and it's like, how do we balance out that time of rest with a time of keeping our skills up and making sure that we don't lose that? Because that's important, too. That's, that is interesting. Um, lately, I've been playing with numbers versus schedule. So, like, and I would encourage the singers that I work with to do this as well. So I focus on, and I do this in my own health as well, I focus on numbers. So I focus on eating three vegetables a day. Like I don't focus on anything else. Like it's just three vegetables. Um, I'm going to resistance train three times a week. I'm going to practice my voice four times a week, you know? Mm. So it can be, it can be any, it can be any day, any day that I feel like it. Like, I'm feeling like it today, or <laughs> I don't know, it's raining outside. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really, like, low on energy. I'm going to wait until tomorrow when it's sunny. Like, who knows? You know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. But that's been working a lot for me, um, and that's what I recommend for the singers that I work with. But you're right that some people do really thrive on a schedule um, for consistency, and sometimes just getting in, getting in the room and starting singing and just even saying like, all right, I'm just going to do 10 minutes of my vocal exercises. Well, 10 minutes of vocal exercises might turn into 20 minutes of vocal exercises and it might turn into, oh, I'm going to, I feel like singing this song now. Like I'm going to practice it and I'm going to, you know, so 10 minutes can turn into whatever you want. Sometimes it's just about getting started and getting the ball rolling. <laughs> Yeah, not, not putting so much pressure on yourself that it has to look a certain way or that you have to accomplish a certain thing in a certain amount of time. But yeah, that's so important. And I love that how you are like, give a certain number of times that you want to do something. I think oftentimes it's hard for us to be gentle with ourselves like that. But that's really what our brain loves and needs. Um, okay, so as vocalists, I imagine that so much of what you do is bringing your attention inward and you are already so aware that your body is your instrument. What are some ways that singers can begin to balance their focus between internal and external? Oh, that's really interesting. Internal and external. I think a lot about hearing and feeling a lot about hearing and feeling. So when it comes to practice, I would consider hearing and feeling. And when it comes to performance, I would consider internal, external. Mm. So 
hearing and feeling would be more about so many people, um, amateurs, people who don't have any training, people who are thinking about getting into singing, um, people who have had people tell them things and judgments, they're going to focus strictly on hearing. What does it sound like? What do I want it to sound like? Oh, it didn't sound like that. I'm disappointed. Um, we can use our ears, certainly, but we also need to start to develop that idea of what it feels like in the body. Because usually if it feels good, it sounds really good. So instead of, I didn't like that sound, you could ask, well, how does it feel? Well, I've noticed that my chest is a little bit, it just, it's a little tight today or like, oh, I'm holding some tension in my jaw. Maybe I like ground my teeth in my sleep last night. Like, I don't know. Or I, oh, I noticed that my shoulders like won't stay down. They're just kind of creeping up, you know? So just kind of being aware of, of noticing that or how does this sound feel in my body? Or, oh, I really like that sound. How do I recreate that? What does that feel like in my body? Oh, I noticed when I really liked it, I really felt the resonance right here. Or I felt it go all the way down to my belly button and like past the floor. Like that's when I really liked that. So I'm going to try that again and see if I can recreate that. So just this balance between hearing and feeling is really good for the practice room. And then for the stage, um, internal and external, I think you can play with that a little bit more. And just like the emotion mapping, you could even play with internal, external um, in sections as well. Thinking like, okay, I'm going to open myself up to the audience or okay, I'm going to go inward and draw the audience in. And what does that look like? You could even do it on like repeated passages. So instead of thinking like, forte on the first passage, piano on the second, you could go internal, external, or you could contrast it with emotion, happy, sad. <laughs> so lots of, lots of fun games that you can play that go so far beyond, am I a good singer? Am I a good musician? Do I have what it takes? Like that's boring and nobody cares. And when you can really open yourself up to the creative possibilities, I think that's when you get something that's really interesting to listen to. I was working with one of the singers in the green room yesterday. We have like master classes and, you know, she was working on, oh man, her music, her music is so, the music tells you exactly what it wants. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where <laughs> you don't even look at the tempo. Like you're like, this is how fast it needs to go. And then you look at the tempo and you're like, no. Um, I don't know if you've ever done that before. <laughs> sure, yes. But you're like, that doesn't make sense for this. Like, this, <laughs> like, no. Like, this is a gavotte. They're wearing giant wigs. You're not going that fast. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like, choosing a speed, for example, um, just, it's, it's super important to think out of the box and, so her music speaks, it spoke really, really clearly about what it wanted. And she had these amazing ideas and she started telling me like this whole story. 
And I asked her to summarize it in one word. And she started telling me like a couple words. And I was like, well, what's one, one emotion word? Oh, and it was like a couple words. And I was like, one word. <laughs> and she finally like boiled it down to one word. And it read so much better. Like it was so much more interesting. Like you listen to it. And now that I think about it, the sound quality, the color, it wasn't that different. It was actually very, very, very similar. But there was something beyond it underneath it that was much more interesting and engaging to listen to. It's like kind of like the goosebump theory, right? When you, when do you get the goosebumps? Like, I don't know. Um, when it's good, but what causes that? It was like it was like underneath the surface, like the intention that she was doing it with was so clear that it reached you as a performer. And so I think really focusing on one thing can can read very clearly. Wow, yeah. Uh, that's such important information too. And I feel like not just singers can use that as well. I think like, I know you said amateur singers tend to focus on hearing rather than feeling. And I think even for professional instrumentalists, we can get so far into what it sounds like. Um, that we completely Ooh. forget what we're doing in our bodies and how that is supposed to feel. But if we can actually in the practice room flip between those two ideas of where we're focusing our attention, you know, take moments to really hear and listen to what you're doing, but also just as often notice how it feels to play something. And if something is hurting or if something is causing tension, you know, trying to figure that out just as much as you would figure out making it sound better. That's so cool because it's so, it's such instrumentalism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's so, it's a lot of it is so tactile. Like you can see exactly what you're doing. Whereas, you know, a singer is a little bit more, everything's a little bit more inside. So it would be interesting to experiment with the emotions. Whereas like, you're like, oh, like, how does my bowing feel here? Like, does it slow down? Like, do I use more of the bow if I'm, like, sad versus, like, whatever? <laughs> like, does it change? Does my intent, does my, like, instinct to bow differently happen here? Like, what does that feel like? Which one feels better? Oh, this one feels better. Like, <laughs> it's, 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 it'd be interesting. And then, like maybe recording it so you can focus strictly on the feeling and be like, okay, so what did that feeling do for the sound quality and seeing like which one you like better. And just when you recreate it, instead of thinking a million tech tech technique things, you know, just insert emotion here and get the same result. Totally. Yes. I mean, that is, <laughs> Some of my, it's so interesting because it's like some of the best lessons that I've ever had in my life were like that, where the teacher gave me the freedom and the space to be like, okay, we've worked on technique. Now let's really feel like the emotion. But I also believe that we can start that work early. It doesn't have to be once the piece is perfect or everything is the way we want it to be. We can start experimenting that with that a lot earlier too. Yeah. It's so funny if you're like, all right, I'm going to try this crazy thing. It's probably not going to work. And you're like, 
whoa, that worked really good. Like if your, <laughs> teacher, if your teacher tells you something crazy, which happens pretty often in a voice lesson, I have to be real with you. <laughs> Man, I, Tiffany, I've loved having you here so much today. Um, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know? Oh, um, no. I mean, I think just really this conversation kind of turned into a really focus on the emotions. Um, think about how your body feels instead of paying so much attention to the sound because that'll probably iron out a lot of potential uh, potential injuries or potential overuse for singers. Um, just by having that consideration, your body will automatically do the things necessary in order to produce good sound that isn't hurting you. That's such great advice. Yes. Um, and how can we find you? Um, you can find me at Tiffany Van Boxel on Instagram. I love to chat with you over there. And I also have a free training that goes a bit more in depth about aligning your singing dreams and goals so that you know what to focus on. Um, we also talk about the three biggest mistakes that singers make when preparing for performances and how you can avoid them. And it's all over how to captivate your audience and give performances that you're proud of. So if you want to check that out, you can go to starsinger.co slash captivate now because it's on demand. <laughs> so captivate now. <laughs> I love that. Um, I'm going to also include that link in the um in the, sh the show notes <laughs> for this episode. Oh, thanks. Awesome. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Tiffany. I really, I always, I always enjoy when we talk. <laughs> I feel like we talk so much longer than I ever planned. <laughs> but it's, uh, and so much great information. I really appreciate you so much. Um, and to those of you listening, if you enjoyed this episode and you would like to support this podcast, please give a review. Um, you can also reach out to me. Please reach out to Tiffany with any questions that you may have. And uh, hope you all have a great rest of your day. Take care. <laughs>